Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, a 121 to 105 win over the hapless. I rarely throw that word out there, Alex. Hapless Washington Wizards for your New York Knicks. A 30 piece apiece for Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, Deuce McBride getting empowered, Isaiah Hardenstein dominating and concerns at the backup five. We have it all for you right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all platforms. So if you haven't gotten the opportunity in the two-plus years that we've been on YouTube to see our smiling faces, some of you are new, I know. Uh, Be sure to check us out on YouTube, and be sure to subscribe and hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode, and then do the same on your preferred audience audio podcast platform of choice. And then please, 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 as we know, there are a lot of new people listening, uh, leave a five-star review when you get the opportunity. You can write a funny comment. There, 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 there was a certain celebrity, Alex, I was compared to in the comments. And I didn't I didn't know if it was a compliment or not, but I'll take it. You can write that on iTunes while you read a five-star review. Instead of just making it a silly YouTube comment, make it mean something. But who's shilling for five stars? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Nick website in the whole wide world and Alex this was a 121 to 105 victory oh for the New York Knicks over the Washington Wizards that at times I don't even want to say it got dicey because I I never really thought the Knicks would lose this game but the Wizards had had multiple massive runs in the second half and it tells you just how much better the Knicks are that they still won by 16 that was thanks to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson because every single time it felt like the Wizards were about to make it a game they closed the door yeah yeah, it's being the the team that is on the other side of that now, rather than you know being the. Team that, we've talked about this a number of times, but you know the Knicks used to be the masters of the fake comeback, and you know it'd be like, oh, they got down by a bunch, but they got it within four, and then they lost because the other team was just way better. Um, this game, I was trying to think of like a a funny thing to say about this game, and it reminded me of uh, uh, one of our favorite movie franchises with the the marvel and avengers movies and the famous line of ant meet boot uh that was basically the knicks with the wizards here it was they toyed with them for a little while the ant thought they had a chance and then the boot came down and it uh just became you know and and ant has no quarrel with the boot as they say uh as loki might say so yeah it was it was fun. I mean, it, Randall and Brunson in the second half, especially once they hit that point, like late third quarter, early fourth quarter, where they were like, all right, enough, enough screwing around. Like, you know, they, the Knicks had, you know, we were talking about this before the show. They had a little bit of trouble with the zone in the third quarter. In the second quarter, it, they were doing all right against it. So it's like, you know, I, they just weren't making their shots, I guess, for a little bit in the third. And then, you know, things got a little sloppy. I think they took their foot off the gas a little bit. Washington was getting out in transition, um, you know, and and the Knicks weren't putting anybody in the backcourt to, you know, find them. Uh, so there was there was some issues there, which, you know, whatever. I Honestly, at this point, I'm willing to overlook it if they end up winning by 15 in the end anyway. You know, it's understandable to just be like, well, this team didn't come to play, so we'll we'll let our foot off the gas a little bit. Then the team does come to play, and then you say, okay, fine, we got to try again. 
and you do it. Uh, but Randall and Brunson, I, I don't know how much more there is to say about like their scoring performances lately. Like it was very emblematic of what they both do on a night to night basis at this point. Uh, Brunson, you know, just with lots of three point shots, made four of eight in this one. I guess not lots by his standards, but I mean, they, they were timely, certainly, uh, you know, some nice pull up threes. Uh, I think there was one spot up mixed in there. Uh, also dishing the ball well, eight assists again. Julius Randle, you know, similar vibes. Like the one thing for Julius after a bad game the other day, I thought it was really important for that first three-pointer to go down for him, and it did. And that seemed to sort of just shape his confidence again and be like, all right, fine, I can I can really get going again, uh, you know, and, and really crush these guys. And he certainly did. Uh, took advantage of being matched up with Denny Avdia and a number of not great defenders and just went to town. And uh, it was a great Julius Randle game. So, yeah, it was just a just, you know, workman like uh, combined 72 points from the Knicks two stars in this one. Yeah, not 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 too shabby. And I, I liked um, and th- this has been a theme all season, the way they supported each other, like on that first three you mentioned, um, you can you can go back and watch the play. Brunson literally drew four defenders in the paint, which which is a, a compliment to Jalen and, and an indictment on the Wizards defense. But Randall could not have been more wide open. And I, I'm with you. I thought that was I, I wrote that down too. just like totally important play to get him going early. Um, and then that, that kind of continued as a theme, like the chemistry between the two of them. Um, like I, I, I love plays where like one of them is driving and the other one is just positioning themselves to be like, All right, where, where can I be on the court to most fully inflict pain on a defense based on the attention my co-star is drawing. And the, there were like two good examples of that there's one, like in the third quarter where like Randall had this really nice spin move and, and Brunson just shifting in sync with Randall and saying like, all right, like he's on the wing. All right, now he's getting into the lane. So I'm moving to to more of a corner three. And Randall just sprayed it out to him. Brunson, easy three. That was a big shot. There was another one like earlier on, I think first quarter, like Brunson in the pick and roll, Hartenstein rolling. Like Brunson does kind of like the quickly like booty jail trick to like keep his guy in position, three defenders all around him. Abdia has to like take a step inside to dig into Brunson and make sure he's not going to the rim. And then Brunson says, all right, you're going to do that. I'm going to spray it opposite wing to Randall. Abdia has a long closeout. Then Randall goes right by him for a layup. And, and and to your point, like the, the timely shots, like the wizards at one point cut it to 74 69. That was the closest they got in the second half. It was, it, it was once a 26 point lead. They got all the way down to five and then Randall just kind of calmly hit a three. And it reminded me of that Timberwolves game. We're down the stretch. Every time it felt like Minnesota was about to make it a one possession game. Like Randall found a big shot, found a big moment. I thought Randall consistently made the extra pass in this game to your point. Brunson with those eight assists, like he, he hit um, uh, Dante on that, that like cut to end the third quarter. It was like a no look. That was beautiful. Um, Just, just both of them. Like I, I really, I had almost no qualms. There was one stretch in the second quarter. Randall had a couple of of bad plays, but the the finishing was awesome. And it it just kind of goes to show, I know Daniel Gafford's a pretty good rim protector, but you play a team like the wizards that, don't have an elite lockdown guy in the perimeter outside Kula Bali's decent um, and, and don't have great rim protection. Like those two guys are just going to cook and they, they absolutely did that tonight or, or last night rather. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it reaches a point where you're like, what else do we have to say about these guys at this point? Because they're just putting in superstar efforts every single night. <laughs> and you're really starting to like see that where they're finding their consistency. I guess the last thing I'll shout out is both of them getting to the line as much as they did. And, Honestly, should have maybe been more because uh, I thought there was a few really questions. I mean, I 
I don't often love giving uh, <laughs> Tibbs his, uh, his credit for things, you know, whatever. Like we definitely have gotten called like Tibbs haters and whatever in the past, but uh, big props to him for pointing this out uh, in a press conference recently of like, my guys are getting hacked and like, they're literally bleeding and like everything else. And like, they're not getting these foul calls. Now, granted, it's weird to say that on a night where Brunson and Randall combined for 22 free throw attempts. But even with Brunson, there was a lot of like later than they should have been whistles. Uh, you know, like the one he was driving in and clearly got fouled by, I think it was pool that was guarding him at that time. Got like obviously fouled. And then they call the secondary contact on Kuzma after he was already like on the ground, basically. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> you know, this is a foul before you well before he got hit the second time. It was a foul when he got hit the first time. Um, but props to to Brunson and Randall for getting to the free throw line and generating those opportunities plenty uh in this game. But Gavin, uh, I think before we get into Deuce McBride and a lot of what we liked seeing out of him. Because uh, that's that's probably going to take up our whole second segment because it was a very impressive game for him. Why don't you let everybody know about our good friends over at Game Time? Well, Alex, uh, you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, and theater events. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And now, Alex, I love all of our sponsors on this podcast, but Game Time holds a special place in my heart because they were the pathway to me seeing Jalen Brunson's 50-point game on a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine from three-point range against the Phoenix Suns. A transcendental experience for me. And the beauty of Game Time is you can see the view from your seat before you buy, which was so cool because I, I was kind of unsure. Like, tickets were a little expensive, and I wasn't I wasn't totally sure where I wanted to sit. Getting to see that view ahead of time, I was like, all right, this is, this is a good price. And, like, honestly, like, it ended up being a fantastic view to enjoy greatness. Um, they also have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour before it starts. If you want to wait until the last second, you can do that. It's the place to find last-minute deals, and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So that means if you find tickets in the same section row for less on another ticketing site, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So there's literally no way you shouldn't be going with game time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game Game time, download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase, just like I did. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we are back on locked on Knicks. Going to take a deuce on the audience, Alex. Deuce McBride cooking up a storm once again it wasn't it wasn't as exciting as the Sixers game but you and I were, were talking about it a, a, a little bit pre-show um five assists is the number that stands out to me I mean we we both were, were, were mentioning him being referenced as as more of a small wing out there and like the biggest concern even even more so than his scoring was the fact that he wasn't doing a great job initiating offense that that really shifted um in this ball game yeah, I think they it's it's fun when it feels like they listen to us or something or I guess maybe it's validating when you see them execute something that we talk about literally the show before uh, and, and be like, oh, I guess we are watching the game. Right. And these are the things that they need to be working on, uh, even though we didn't watch it three times, you know, yeah. tips. Uh, but Deuce, they had running a lot more pick and roll in this game, which I thought was really key to getting him 
into initiator mode more. Like Brunson, when they run him in pick and roll, a lot of times it's less used for like the more traditional sense of pick and roll of like trying to get a play going and get him an opportunity to feed a big or something like that. And more an opportunity for him to generate a switch so then he can sauce someone up and, you know, get like a center stranded on an island out on the perimeter and then do his thing, you know? So that's that's kind of how they use it more with Brunson because he's just so elite at breaking down whoever is guarding him without any help. And, you know, the Knicks utilize that to great effect a lot. Deuce is not that. And they were sort of the first few games trying to do that with him where they were getting him the ball and just being like, all right, dude, like figure it out. And he was getting walled off, you know, going towards the inside. And obviously he doesn't have the the crazy footwork and everything that Brunson does to shake his defender. So this game, it seemed like they were finally like, okay, let's let's set up a little more traditional of a look for Deuce McBride here. And we'll, you know, set like a hard, good screen, let that get him, you know, kind of going downhill or whatever, and let him spray it out to guys on the perimeter. And he did that a lot and to great effect. And, you know, that's how he ended up with those five assists. The first one I also really liked, it was, it was sort of quickly-esque uh, in running transition with Julius Randle, which it was just a really, really nice look, waited till the perfect opportune moment where he drew the defense in to think, oh, is Deuce McBride going to go up for this himself? Uh, nope, he's not. He's actually going to kick it to Julius Randle, who's coming around the backside on this on this transition opportunity. Really good look from him there to find Julius on a nice little wraparound pass. And then beyond that, like just running pick and roll hit, uh, I, think, I think the one was Quentin Grimes, one was Josh Hart, I think for a three, but, you know, generated some looks that way and was able to draw the defense in off a more standard looking pick and roll and then just kick it out to someone on the perimeter, had really good vision for that too. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't also bring up the the huge dunk to end the first quarter uh, where he just comes in out of nowhere and gets a, a putback dunk, which you were, when he first got that in, I was like, wait, that was who? That was Deuce. Oh my God. I didn't expect yeah. him to do that. And, you know, some rarely seen hops out of him, uh, which hopefully we'll see more of because that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he comes in baseline, hits an a awesome putback dunk to end the first quarter. Uh, I was super impressed with Deuce McBride. And uh, Gavin, to, to add to what you said a second ago, he just came in and took a big deuce all over this game. Yeah, I mean, un un unfortunately for the Wizards, pretty pretty much everyone's been taking a deuce on them this year. But but McBride <laughs> was was no exception. Um, I'm, I you, you took all the words out of my mouth, um, including the deuce part. Um, he threw the the, the only pass you didn't mention that I wanted to note was like he had a real. I think this might have been his first assist of the game. Had a really nice entry pass to Julius Randle, where where Julius was kind of carving out space. And that's another thing that I I always found like the rare chances they got to play together quickly was was pretty good at, but I, I almost think it's something the Knicks guards in general can continue to get better at because you see it with Hartenstein and um and 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 Mitch uh, bless his soul um whenever he has positioning like they they just do not do a good job seeing those passes and when they do see those passes they rarely execute on them so I, I think it's worth noting anytime it's just just a well-weighted lob inside to someone with positioning because Julius so often like in the modern NBA is going to have 20 30 pounds on the person guarding him and like he he's obviously very very capable of creating his own shot and his own opportunities but it's nice to get him a couple of easy ones where he just has a seal and you throw it right over the top and he gets 
an easy layup. And with Hartenstein hovering at least a little bit outside the lane, there's going to be more opportunities for that for Julius to do that than when Mitchell Robinson's in there. And certainly if Julius gets uh, more run as a as a stretch five, um, which we got to see two minutes of in this game, that that'll be an important pass and an easier pass with the more spread floor. So that was that was enticing to me. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating going forward what we get out of Deuce from like a pure point guarding perspective because I, I think the the fly in the ointment here and the reason like I'm not totally optimistic on on him like being able to do this consistently is, is just that his handle still isn't great to me Alex like it's not it's not terrible but I remember like right when he came into the NBA like Prez like he as always was right on top of him came on this pod and was like yeah you know he's a great shooter like and, and he's he's a really good athlete like that's not the issue at all as we saw on the putback dunk it's just that his handle like doesn't really let him access that athleticism all the time. And I thought we saw like the reason he was two for six in this game was he really struggled around the basket. Like one time trying to go for a layup when he needed to go for a floater, then, then coming back and going for the floater and missing it. So you, you could argue those are finishing issues. I would argue they're more so handle issues because if he's able to get cleaner separation to the rim, like a Brunson does, you, you wouldn't really need to see him even go to the floater. He would be getting all the way to the basket and finishing either with a layup or a dunk. So if there's, Something over the life of this three-year contract, assuming he spends all that time on the Knicks, and given how low of a number it is and how valuable he seems as just a three and D guy, I think it will be on the Knicks. Um, I, I think that's ultimately the next step for him, and and hopefully, like a year full of reps in the NBA, which he's he's never had in his career, like allows him to get comfortable like handling the basketball at this level. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that is still his biggest weakness too, and that's why they've had to kind of work these situations in where it's like low-hanging fruit to yeah. give him opportunities to, you know, initiate and to, you know, be that bench point guard. I think he can survive off of just the pick and roll opportunities in 10 to 15 minutes a game for the rest of the year if he has to. You know, if the Knicks don't end up going after like a Malcolm Brogdon or or a DeJounte Murray or whoever they're going to go after is like another ball handler potentially. If they table that and say, you know what, we're done dealing for now. Let's wait until the summer, which – you know, is uh, something they could do. They do have, you know, the Evan Fournier deal does not fully expire at the end of this year. So that there's a chance that they might say, well, we'll pick up Evan Fournier's option as weird as that is to do. And, you know, move forward with him still as a salary chunk next Can you year. Imagine what Evan Fournier would say to the French media. Like it, oh, it was, man. it was not great this summer. I can yeah. only imagine the the words that the French would have for Leon Rose and and James Dolan and Tom Thibodeau. Those uh, not to sidetrack, but those Evan Fournier interviews with the French media are always hilarious too, because I always get the impression that he's like. Nobody in the U.S. can speak French, so I can say whatever I want over here, and then inevitably, it does not French. exist. <laughs> yeah, like they don't. They can't go to a dot fr, uh, yeah. you know, URL. There's no way they'll ever see this interview. Um, <laughs> this word is yeah. not on Duolingo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I I think that if they end up, you know, sticking with Deuce sort of in this role for the rest of the year, we'll we'll continue to see him. You know, they're going to keep trying to empower him to do different things. I don't know if he's going to be able to just achieve those on the fly this year. And I'm with you. Like, I think he's really got to over the summer work on the handle work on the floater, especially like Clyde even noted that during this game, which by the way, lest I not get a chance to, to do it again. This is the first time that Bill Pito and Clyde called the game together. And I actually really enjoyed it. So maybe this could be the backup Mike Breen, you know, experience, just have Pito and Clyde. Pito is not quite the, the play-by-play guy that yeah. Breen is obviously, but he's, he's got the charisma at least. I enjoyed that. Uh -huh. 
Can I push I, back? He's not Bill Pito should not be calling NBA. He's not an NBA level <laughs> play by play guy. And sure, call 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 that sour grapes if 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 you want to on on my part. But uh, yeah, he's he's a fantastic and he's absolutely charismatic. He's fun to listen to because he's he's a voice that I've had in my life since childhood. But he Bill Pito should not be calling an NBA game. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, there we go. Right from yeah. your favorite play-by-play broadcast, favorite play-by-play broadcast. <laughs> yeah, taking shots. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but shots. I love, I love Bill Fito. I got his. And if he ever comes on this podcast, we'd be really, really lucky to see. He seems like a fantastic person. He's absolutely like an elite host. Not a not an NBA play-by-play guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that on that jolly note, let's talk about someone who is elite at their job in the NBA and Isaiah Hartenstein in just a moment. Yeah. When we get back in, but Gavin, first I gotta let everybody know about our good buddies over at FanDuel. So the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose the app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet like live save game parlays you can find bets in the new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub which is the best way to find popular parlays and i'm going to double back to same game parlays again it's my favorite thing to pump every time i do this because i think it's maybe the best innovation in uh in the sports gambling space in forever uh it's so much fun it makes an average game feel like it is way more monumental than it has any business being for example if you were playing and the knicks were you know facing washington and you say hey they're going to stomp this team so there's not too much to be invested in here from a fandom perspective because it's just going to be me watching the Knicks bully a, a really bad team. Well, you could be like, well, let's put a little wager on that bullying and say that both Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are going to get over 30 points and Brunson's going to have over six assists. And uh, I don't know, Dante DiVincenzo is going to have over two threes and you just stack a whole bunch of bets against each other that wouldn't normally be huge by themselves, but combined turn it into a, a huge bet that can really make you a bunch of money if you if you hit on it so it's it's a lot of fun anyway visit fanduel.com slash locked on and you can make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl all right gavin we're back in talking through this big win and uh, stop me if you've heard this one before isaiah hartenstein dominates in this game uh, 39 minutes for iHeart. He shoots four of eight for eight points. That's not really the story. The big story is 19 rebounds, four steals, and two blocks. Uh, I was re-watching some of this game uh, on, you know, like the video box score on NBA. Mm -hmm. And I think it was on one of the Deuce plays. Hilariously, I heard that because they had the Washington clips that they pulled from this. So I was hearing mm -hmm. the Washington broadcasters. Hilariously, at one point, they were, I guess, talking about the Knicks losing Mitchell Robinson, and the one announcer for Washington was like, yeah, they're really going to miss Mitchell Robinson. Where are they going to get their blocks from now? And I'm like, boy, buddy, you have not been watching the Knicks lately because Isaiah Hartenstein is getting those like crazy six more stocks in this game. Again, I feel like starting to make his case for like if the Knicks defense continues being rehabilitated like this, like it has been lately after that really bad stretch right after Mitch went down, I think he's making a case for like if he keeps getting stocks at this rate, he might have to get a look for like second team all defense or something because 
he has made such a huge difference to the Knicks and has really stepped in and replaced a guy that himself was going for an all-defense nod potentially in Mitchell Robinson seamlessly. And now, you know, has you saying, well, man, I mean, the Knicks, he's doing the exact same stuff that Mitch was doing at this point. And if Mitch was a defense, all defensive team candidate, then maybe Isaiah Hardenstein should be too. Yeah. I, I mean, he was, I could, could we put it this way? Has he been the Knicks third best player since Mitchell Robinson went down? And I, I think there's probably still a compelling argument for everything Emmanuel quickly did before he got traded. And I'm open to hearing that, but outside of him, like I, I honestly, I don't think there's another contender certainly as good as OG has been since the trade, like Hartenstein's clearly been their third best player. If not like taking into account the one bad, bad Randall game, pretty close to their second best player. Um, since that trade went through, which is crazy for someone who was slated to play, I don't know, like what, like 17, 18 minutes per game at the start of this year. I guess he's playing a little more, maybe more like 22, but you get my point. Um, he's He's been ridiculous. I thought his defensive rebounding was as important in this game as Julius Randle and, and Jalen Brunson's offense was. And maybe, maybe that's me taking Randle and Brunson's offense for granted a little bit, but my God, like there were just so many possessions where the Wizards, like inexplicably for a team that's bad at rebounding, like I, I think they should have been doing everything possible, Alex, every time they missed to all get back on defense. They had two or three guys like crashing for rebounds and over and over again, you would see these pileups and Hartenstein inevitably would come out of it with the ball collapsed over his head with two hands, like holding it strong. He would kick it out to someone and the Knicks would get these fast breaks out of thin air. Like it wasn't the Knicks forcing like a ton of turnovers and leaking out. Like they had a bit of that. Dante DiVincenzo had a really nice poke away for a run out. But by and large, it was Hardenstein getting rebounds with three Wizards around him, hitting up an outlet. And, and that's how the Knicks ran away with this one in the second quarter. And then honestly, again, like late third, early fourth, when the Wizards got it close, it was just Hardenstein rebounding, sending it up the court, and the Knicks getting layup after layup after layup. Josh Hart in particular, like, benefited from it. OG Ananobi was running in transition. It was like a little, like, Julius Randle, that was the one thing I forgot to mention with him. Like, he's he's been running harder and more consistently than I think I've ever seen from him in his career. Like, had the, had this one beautiful give-and-go with Quentin Grimes that ultimately ended in Randle, like, slinging it to Josh Hart in the corner for an open three. Um, but before I get to the sidetrack, man, Hartenstein, He's just he's just solid. Like that is the best way I can describe it. And generally, when you're an NBA team and you have an injury at an important spot, especially if you're Tom Thibodeau, because I think if he if I were to sum up like a quality that he wants in a basketball player outside of just being a great bucket getter, it is solidity and is it is not getting out muscled and it is not giving up points or missing out points because you're not physically strong enough or skilled enough to execute on it. And Hartenstein, like you just don't lose anything with him. And I know that's maybe overly simplistic, but to me, it entirely like kind of puts his value into a single sentence. He is awesome. And man, if you if you listen to us when we talked about it um, during that eBay Motors ad a few weeks ago, picture him on fantasy basketball. He's the MVP of fantasy basketball right now. Steals, blocks, rebounds, all hard to come by. Stuffing the box score night in and night out with that category. Um, let, let, let's get to the dark side of Isaiah Hartenstein playing 39 minutes. Um, Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks have a problem at backup center. Alex Precious Achua only played eight minutes in this one, essentially did not play in the second half, got in for the last two minutes of super ultra duper trash compactor 
garbage time. Uh, Julius Randle got two minutes at the five, which I think would have been exciting if, if it felt more like an intentional choice and, and less so a means of not having Isaiah Hardenstein literally play the entire second half. And this comes against the Wizards team that does not have a threat at the center spot. Mike Muscala raining threes on the Knicks in the preseason aside, Alex. Like, this is a team you could have played pressure that you were 30 minutes against and probably been fine, probably won by five to 10 points still. And, and Tibbs only played him eight minutes. I, I To me, this is a concern, and it lets me know that the Knicks are probably not off the market to try to find a competent five, even though I think Achua could be that. The way the Knicks have used him ha- hasn't really leveraged everything he can do on a basketball court. Yeah, I guess my only my only like potential pushback on that is like Julius Randle played 38 minutes in this game. Like, did he need to play a whole 38? I don't know if that if he needed to like, like Brunson played 35. So Tibbs just kind of did the Tibbs thing and like rode his horses the whole game. You know, it was just like, Hey, you guys are my guys. But Isaiah Hardenstein did lead the team in minutes, which I don't think is super sustainable. Granted he's been, I mean, his career high in minutes as of like a month ago was like, like 30. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess it's telling that, you know, he must be in really good shape because he's, he's really taking this in stride and doesn't seem to be getting gassed or anything. So maybe this is just what the new normal is for the Knicks, unless they find, you know, a slightly more uh, awe-inspiring backup five option. I thought that Tibbs was just trying to follow through and try something new uh, because he did, he, he did state recently, like, oh yeah, I might like, I might, uh, that was actually Chris uh, Persianen of uh, 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 Knicks Twitter fame and and uh, works for WFUV, which is the Fordham, yeah. uh, like, Radio student station, station. At, at student, student station, station. I think, yeah. yeah, he's been covering games, doing a really great job. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, he had asked that question, and Tibbs was like, "Yeah, I might try Randall and Ananobi at the four five. To me, it read like just trying to try something new while you're up ahead uh, by a decent amount. But I would argue that it was probably more important in that moment, like you said, to try to get Precious in there and you know continuing to try to get him comfortable, but. It has been less than awe-inspiring with him. Uh, I think the biggest thing that Tibbs is running into with Precious so far is that he's not giving the rim protection that Tibbs usually wants out of that position, and thus he's now starting to trust Precious less. Uh, even though he does the rebounding pretty well, at least in theory, he hasn't really had much of an opportunity to like show that so far with the Knicks, I don't think. But you know, his rebound rate is good. If you look at his stats and everything, so in theory, he should be sort of a Tibbs guy, even if the the blocks and steals aren't quite there. But something about him, it, it does seem like Tibbs doesn't really trust him that much. This is why Hardenstein has been playing so many minutes. Uh, I still think that the Knicks should look to get possibly another big. You know, I was pretty high on the Precious edition when they first got him. I was like, oh, man, maybe this will be like an interesting look. But it's clear that like. Tibbs just has his idea for what a center should be, and he wants that out there for 48 minutes per game. And if he doesn't have that, then he's just going to play Precious minimally and really like try to run the wheels off of Hartenstein, which is less than ideal because you don't want Hartenstein like limping into the playoffs potentially, uh, you know, in a, in a few months' time. So uh, we'll see. I think the Knicks still look to address that position and probably at the expense of like Ryan Archidiakono or Taj Gibson or something like that, you know, maybe they'll hit the buyout market when the time comes for that in like a month and change. Maybe they'll look to make a small trade and fill that void. But I, I do think they're going to try, even with what we talked about with Deuce too, 
with Deuce getting better, I do think that this team is still they still should be looking for a a more Tibbs friendly backup five for at least the rest of the year and preferably a, a ball handler that's a little more consistent, a little more dynamic than Deuce McBride uh, for the rest of the year as well, despite the investment in Deuce. Like, I, I, I think they need to do that still. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, my my final note on this one is I, I kind of thought, and uh, you, you might push back on this because I don't think this was the consensus from what I saw on Nick's Twitter. I thought it was kind of an off OG game, like, just some weird flubs defensively, like really early on had like was super slow on like a show and recover where he stuck on Tyus Jones and like a pick and pop for too long. And Kuzma got a wide open three. Then he totally like fell asleep and got backdoor cut by Kuzma. Um, there were a couple times, like he was just a little bit like lazy getting back in transition, which it's, 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 it's sort of like when we hold like Brunson or Randall to an unfair standard offensively, where it's like, well, he didn't score 30 points in this game. And that's kind of what I'm saying with OG, because this is probably stuff that happens to every player in the Knicks every single game, but I just have such high expectations for him defensively. He he did do a pretty good job in this one. I'm like creating some turnovers, like, like every, every game, it feels like there's a ball he gets to defensively that literally happens just because the defense, like it, it's a totally normal pass. And it's one that guys on the other team have probably thrown their entire life and never gotten it picked off. And just because OG has alien arms, he's able to get to it or, or, or get a finger on it and tip it. So that was great. I thought he had some nice interior passes to, to Hartenstein had that big putback slam for an ex- exclamation point on this game. And it, it's just so fun to see his athleticism in the open court, but offensively, I just, I, and maybe this is the feeling Raptors fans have had with him his whole career. So I'm, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse a little bit, but I, I just think there's, there's more for him to get to. And it feels like at times he could be more aggressive. And at times when he is aggressive, he could be less aggressive, like still figuring out how to pick and choose his spots. And, and again, just like maybe unreasonably high expectations for him defensively. But I, I think I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit more consistency from him because he he just had such a great first game. And since then, like whether it's been the shot or or him, like maybe not cutting quite enough, but the offense just hasn't totally been there. And it's a great sign that the Knicks are winning and winning big despite that. Yeah, I wonder if maybe it's just he needs to get a few more practices under his belt. Like he's still not comfortable yet. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see if once he gets a little more comfortable too. I know a big part of him wanting out of Toronto was seemingly based off what the reports were saying that he thought that he had more to offer as far as like a role on an offense and everything too. So I feel like we have yet to really see that. I feel like he's still just kind of been doing what he was doing in Toronto, which is great. I mean, I'm not like complaining about it, but you know, it seemed like his motivations were in many ways, like I want bigger opportunities. I think I'm capable of more than just being like a three and D guy. And I feel like we just haven't really seen that yet. Um, Which again, if that's all he is, that's fine. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not complaining. But to your point, you know, I just I, I I'm with you. I think that this game was a little more passive from him. And, you know, it's the second game of a back to back. And the Knicks have so many of those. He's not used to this Knicks schedule, Knicks officiating all the Knicks things yet. The Knicks have had the most like unappealing schedule in the NBA this oh, year yeah. where they've they've played the least amount of games at home. They've had the most back to backs in the NBA. Second, second and back to backs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just. You know that it it, it it could get a little taxing. I, I'm willing to give him a, a benefit of the doubt for this one. We'll see how he comes out uh, with a little more rest on Tuesday when the Knicks play next. Uh, and I think that's a good note to end on because the Knicks are certainly rolling right now. So we'll see we'll see how they come on Tuesday uh, when they return to the Garden. Right? It's they're going to be back mm-hmm. at home, so, so. Uh, it'll be good to see. Uh, but until then, 
Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.